Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. In this episode, Dan Glazer, partner at Wilson, Sonsini, Goodrich, and Rosati, on raising transatlantic funding and setting up a U.S. expansion the right way. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Hi, and today I'm with Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? Very good. I mean, we're talking for both sides of the Atlantic. First of all, who are you, Dan? So my name is Dan, Dan Glazer. Um, I head up the technology t- transactions piece, which is a Silicon Valley-based uh, U.S. law firm that focuses primarily on working with technology companies uh, and venture capital investors. I also head up our U.S. expansion practice, and for the past several years, um, have had a real focus on working with U.K. and other European-based technology companies with U.S. expansion, uh, U.S. fundraising tra- tra- transactions, uh, U.S. corporate and commercial tra- transactions, essentially, you know, trying to be there on, on the ground uh, in, in London, in the U.K., you know, helping U.K. and you know, other Euro- European companies you know, figure out the U.S., and it's uh, you know it's it's long been been my 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 view that there's there there's no better place to uh, to start and build a tech company than than London and and the, the broader UK and there's no better place to expand to than the US um, and you know one of my real focuses over the past several years is to try to make transatlantic connections and make the US a little bit easier for uh, UK and other European based companies to uh, you know to, to tackle. It's an interesting debate because most of the people I've talked to here on this show, but also people you simply talk to in the startup scene, whether it's in London or everywhere else in Europe, the big question is, of course, always about the U.S. Should we move there? You you mentioned the term expansion, but I guess you also encounter a lot of startups that would ask you, should I simply move my operations over there? Yeah, and I, and I think part of it d- d- depends on, on the the nature of, of, of the business. I mean, there's a lot is that is uh, there's a lot of support that exists in the UK or in, in London, especially, uh, and has existed for years now uh, to help you know companies you know build and and, and, and scale the coming out of the, the UK. Um, you know, and and what what I, what I have seen is that you really can build a strong company in, in London and in the UK because of some of the factors I mentioned before, and, and because frankly. You know, it is a, a rel- relatively newer ecosystem. You know, and and it's you know it's 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 a pretty business friendly in environment, um, and you can you 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 can really you know build a a, a nice company, um, and and maybe in a somewhat less com- competitive environment um, at an earlier stage, uh, you know, and, and get to, get to a nice state stage of growth, and then figure out your your sort of global global expansion approach from there. Um, you know, I think that that's a great foundation to, to, to build from. You know, that being said, yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are certainly some uh, there, there are some types of companies that, you know, you, you look at it and, and you say, well, maybe it may, makes more sense to, to build and, and scale that, 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 that business, you know, in, in the U.S. And maybe, for, for example, a business that you know, type of business that, that maybe is B2C and, and, and re- requires you know, hundreds, maybe not hundreds, but you know, tens of millions of of uh, of, of, of capital at, at the outset to uh, you know to to, to 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 grab as many users as many customers as possible. You know, that starts to little bit look a little bit more like the classic Sil- Sil- Silicon Valley company. Um, you know, and maybe you, you you might think about do you build that company in in the valley? But but to me, 
that's you know for 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 a founder or a couple of founders who are you know based in the UK or based in London looking at where they should start their business. To me, that's the real exception rather than 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 the rule. And certainly, we we've seen a lot of great great companies you know build you know very strong foundations in the UK and then expand, but not necessarily move, but expand from a UK base, expand globally to the US and elsewhere. So, so maybe in terms of expansion to the U.S., I guess, obviously, I mean, you're, you're based in New York. We were joking just before the recording that you're based in the cloud. But did you use as a term, you're a lawyer as a service. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that's me being a little, a little, bit, a little bit flip. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I personally am, am New York-based, but for the past several years have, 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 have split between London and, and New York. Um, and you know what, certainly what we found is is that having a foot in, in both camps is, is very is very very helpful. Um, you know it, it's useful to be able to to be on the ground. Sort of what, why I'm particularly excited to be at Wilson Sonsini, um, you know, a firm that really is is the the original Silicon Valley law firm. 50 years um, since the early 60s uh, when the Valley was really start, just just getting started, um, and having a real focus on supporting technology companies at all stages of growth, working with with venture and, and growth capital investors, you know, being able to work, you know, at a, from a, a firm like that in the U.S. and then to work with, um, you know, companies and bring that kind of expertise into the, the U.K. And, and work with U.K. and other European companies in, in, in that, that regard, having that, that, that foot in both camps and making those you know, sort of transatlantic connections hopefully is providing real, real, real value to the, uh, to the U.K. community. Well, uh, you mentioned that you were hopeful, but you, then again, you've, you are, I think, named by uh, the Transatlantic Innovator of the Year by the American Lawyer in 2015. You've been a member, you're a Tech City UK fellow, you've been a member of the Tech London Advocates, etc., etc. So you've been involved, you are involved in this transatlantic trade. Maybe at a more practical pace, because it's a question that a lot of startups might have here, of course, in the UK, again, as well in Europe, besides the should we move, should we expand or not, is how do we set up ourselves right? Should startups and founders think about this from the get-go, about what kind of steps could they achieve today for an expansion that could arrive in a year, for instance? Yeah, no, I, I, and that's a great, great, great question. I mean, that you know, to really execute on a good U.S. Exp expansion strategy, it doesn't ju ju just happen overnight. The best companies or the most successful companies in terms of U.S. expansion um, are those that, that get pulled into the U.S. So, so typically what, 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 what we see is when, is when, the start, when the company gets started, or they start to see, let's say, a natural fit in the U.S., maybe get, get, a, get a little bit of traction, they'll start doing deals. And then at a point, very often after they, they raise, so they have the funds to support U.S. expansion. And, the, and typically the model that, that we've seen work very, very well is, let's say, a U.K. HQ and a strong sales and customer marketing and customer support team in, in the U.S. Um, and, and in terms of how to set and how to, and, and how to execute is you need to leave yourself, let, let's say, four to six months. And the long lead time item tends to be in immigration. That, that we, we, we tell companies that you know, to make sure that you've got all your visas lined up if you're sending people across from, from the U.K. or elsewhere in Europe. Um, you know, speak to, speak to, to an, an immigration specialist sooner rather than later and leave yourself um, about four to six months to get everything so sorted out. Trademark is another one of those things that's a long lead time item as well. Uh, we've seen too many companies uh, sort of fall in love with their brand only to find out that, that, that someone in, in, in the U.S. Has already, has already taken it. 
um, or, uh, or, or, or taken something similar, right? And the last thing that you want to do is to, to, to great fanfare, uh, you know, open, launch your, your, your U.S. operation, and then, you know, two, two weeks later, get a nasty letter from somebody in the States saying, yeah, you're going to have to stop. <laughs> uh, that, that's our mark. But, you know, putting those two items aside, right, in immigration and um, trademark, um, you know, the, otherwise, you know, the, the, the long lead time item is, is really just sort of from a practical standpoint, people, right? It's just sort of making sure that you've lined up the, the, the right people to, to, to support U.S. expansion. I was uh, presenting at a, at, a, at a talk in London a few, few months ago um, about, uh, about U.K. companies' experiences hiring uh, Americans, especially American salespeople. And they and 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 they said that they, they said to the audience they said one of the things that you need to be careful of is that every it's, it feels like every American salesperson that you look to hire is going to be awesome, <laughs> and they all walk in and 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 you know they 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 all have been personally responsible for the uh, you know for the for at least forty percent of U.S. GDP, um, and you know and. and <laughs> and you just simply cannot believe your your luck that the first seven people that you've spoken with are clearly going to turn you into the next Google, and it's incredible. What what a country, right? And <laughs> and and it usually takes a, a little bit of, of adjustment to to recognize that you know Americans start start pitching you know in 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 nursery school in kindergarten <laughs> when when we have show and tell, <laughs> um, and it comes. It, it, this is a bit of a stereotype, but but. You know, culturally, it, it, it tends to come a little bit more more naturally to to Americans, <laughs> to especially American American salespeople, um, you know, to, to to really be able to present well in an, in an interview. And and one of the one of the pieces of advice that I've heard time and time again from UK companies who have expanded the US, and I would agree with this, is you got to take your, your 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 time when hiring in the US. It, it's a it's, it's a different cultural way. Um, you know, so you can get some trusted contacts to work with you in the U.S. to identify the right people. You'll be you'll you'll be in a, in a in a good place. You know, so so putting putting that aside, people, immigration, and trademark. You know, logistically, it only takes about probably four to six weeks or so um, to to set up in in the states. And at that point, you know, it, it's all the the logistical issues. I mean, on the legal side, it's forming a U.S. entity, typically a subsidiary. Uh, Americanizing your 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 commercial contracts, right? So it's governed by U.S. law as opposed to the laws of the U.S. state rather than English law. Um, you know, setting up your U.S. employment arrangements. Um, you know, making sure that you've got you you uh, your U.S. tax and accounting uh, advisors set up. U.S. insurance. Uh, you know, business insurance policies are not going to cover you in, in the U.S. Um, because there's a it's, it's a very different uh, risk landscape there, um, and this is something that that UK and European companies often, you know, aren't necessarily prepared for. Is that the the litigation landscape in the U.S. is very very aggressive, and and there's a you know there's a very specific reason for that. Whereas whereas in in, in the UK and in most places in, in Europe. Um, you know, if there's a if there's a business dispute and it goes to litigation, the loser of that lawsuit, um, you know, will will end up paying most or all um, of both sides legal fees, right? Which is a massive disincentive to 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 actually go to court, right? I mean, you better be pretty certain that you that, that you're going to win if if the downside of losing is picking up both sides legal fees. In the U.S., American the, the American system doesn't work that way. Which is so, and it's a little bit su surprising to companies when they come into the U.S. Yeah. that 
you know, somebody threatens to, to sue them and, and, and the company looks at the claim and they say, oh, well, this is ridiculous, right? I mean, we'll, we're, we're clearly going to win this. Well, they might win it indeed, but it, it may cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees to fight it out, right? And, and, so, and, and so what happens is, is, that, is that in the United States, the threat of litigation or litigation itself is used as a business negotiation tool. And that's really not the case as much in the UK and in Europe. And, and one way to, to, to mitigate the risks there is, is to make sure that you've got proper in, in, in insurance. You've just explained the entire patent litigation debate here in a nutshell for us European, right? <laughs> that's right. No, the, the, uh, the, the, the so-called you know, non-practicing entity or, or, or you, you know, another, another phrase for it is, is patent trolls, where, where you have US patent owners or owners of US patents who threaten to bring claims that, 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 that they are infringing or may, may, may be infringing their the patent owner's patents. The, the, the recipient of those claims, the, the company may look at it and say, well, I don't think that this is a great patent. You know, I think I can probably get this patent invalidated. Or they may look at it and say, well, we don't infringe these, these patents. Our business is in, is in another area and, doesn't, and, and isn't covered by, by, by these patent claims. But the problem is, is to actually fight that out in court Right is going to be on on your dime, as as, as it were. It's it's going to be you know the if, if it's a UK company in the US receiving the, those patent claims, the UK company is going to have to pay its its own legal expenses uh, typically, right? And and that and that's a dynamic different like, than, in, than in the UK, and it's one of the reasons, frankly, that the patent troll or non-practicing entity phenomenon is much more common in the US than in the UK. In the UK. If you start to bring those, those claims, you know, it's a little bit less appetizing for the patent owner if the if the recipient of those claims, you know, uh, you know, may, may be able to, to uh, not only prevail, but also be able to get legal fees from the uh, from the patent owner. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering uh, when uh, a startup based again, let's take the example of a startup based in London does a strategic partnership in the US. Is that the case that that strategic partner will ask for the UK startup to have a foot in the US. Is that often one of the reasons why, I mean, there's a commercial aspect, the, the, the UK startup wants to be in the US because they need to have a presence because they want to expand their, their, their market. But would sometimes the trigger come from a partner in the US saying, hey, yes, we want to sign a, a deal with you, licensing deal, for instance, but only if you have a presence, a legal presence in the US. Do you see that? We absolutely do. I mean, really sort of, did, let, let's say, a development arrangement, or if you're providing a SaaS platform and maybe some, some consulting services on, on the side, they very much are going to want you to have some, some customer support. It, just culturally speaking, uh, there is, you know, this is a generalization, but, but it, on average, American companies dealing with, uh, with um, you know, uh, companies with a local American presence. Uh, it, it just it does it does reduce friction to have local you know resources and, and again it, it doesn't always need to it, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to move right but but it does often mean that you need to have this presence so that your U.S. commercial counterparties feel that they can call somebody up in their in their times or or even better you know have have a meeting it, there's a, there's a real premium placed on, on being able to just call someone have them have them come down come by the office. Now let's take the case of uh, VC of funding, a U.S. funding to uh, European startups. I'm sure you've seen that happen a lot uh, as well in front of your eyes. Uh, the usual thing we hear he, uh, over here on this side of the pond is that, well, generally U.S. investor, we only invest in companies that have, again, a U.S. presence. But in that case, it might actually mean the full HQ in the U.S. So what's your, what have you seen and what's your take on that one? 
Yeah, no, and and that's a great, great, great question because we often get get asked by UK companies, you know, what is it, what does it take to raise from a from a US investor? Um, gen, generally speaking, um, it, you know, to raise a seed, an A, or even B round in in the US as a as a UK or European company, you are typically going to have to show significant US traction. You're going to have to have a significant U, US presence. Um, and it's going to have to be, you know, a, a U.S. presence probably to those, to the investor, because you know at, at that at that stage, uh, seed or an A or, or or a B round, you know, the the U.S. investor is not just putting in capital, right? I mean, they're also looking to leverage their expertise and and their their network to guide the growth of the business. Um, and you know, I I you know I had one investor say say this to me a few months ago. You know, there's a lot of great companies coming out out of the UK and coming out of Europe. But if, if I have to Skype in the, the, you know, if I have to Skype in the founder to get anything done, you know, across let, let's say an eight-hour time difference, you know, or nine-hour time difference, if, if they're on the West Coast, if the investors on the West Coast, um, you know, then I, it, it's going to be difficult for me to, to get proper value for the for the for the investment, right? Um, and you know, there really is a premium placed on on being close close to the the investor. You know, does it does it mean that they have to to, to pick up and move the entire eight, eight HQ to the states? Number of examples of UK companies who, uh, let's say, put you know a founder or a strong decision maker on the ground in, in the US and, and had a sub, 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 substantial uh, US presence, but ultimately um, you know kept the HQ in the UK, uh, and, and that was fine, right? I mean, I've also talked to some US investors who say. Uh, look, you know, we're not going to invest unless unless the company is sort of 100% committed to being a, U, a U.S. company, and you know, and and that that means in the U.S. That, that, you know, that it, it it depends. You do need to be prepared to show you know, U.S. commitment in terms of having decision makers on the ground in, in the U.S. A related point, and we get this often as well, is that <clears throat> does the company fit into a U.S. parent as well? Um, you know, and there are some 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 downsides to that, right? Is that you know, for for example, um, you know, as the uh, the the U.S. Uh, corporate tax rate, right, state plus federal is 35, 40 percent, depending on what what state you're in. The U.K. corporate tax rate is 20 percent, headed down to potentially as low as 15. Um, you know, that may not make a difference in year one, year year two, year three, uh, but it. it it, it very well may make a difference as, as the company grows. And it's very, very difficult to sort of flip out of the United States, uh, as it were, a so-called inversion tra tra transaction um, than it is to enter uh, enter the U.S. From, from, from a tax standpoint. So, I mean, if you're, you know, once you sort of commit to flipping into a U.S. parent company, you know, you, you've committed to a much more rigorous uh, compliance environment and, you, and you've, you, 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 you've committed to, to certainly a higher tax rate. And that may be, you know, it may be worth it, right? I mean, you have to decide all in. You know, if if you're if you're number one U.S. investor, the one who is going to help you really kill it, uh, they're not willing to, or because uh, their their fund documents prohibit them from investing in a non-U.S. company, then that's you know that's a business decision you know, that, that you need to, to make as you know as as a founder, as a CEO, as to whether as to what makes sense for for your for your business. But I think the the, the important thing is is that is that you need to recognize, let, let's say, as you know, as the, as the, as the founder and CEO of, of the of, of the UK, the European company, that the decision as to whether or not to flip into a U.S. parent is a it, it's 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 a big deal. It is very very important, and it's something that you should take 
uh, you should talk to, let's say, other founders or other investors or your advisors and, and get a, you know, sort of a wide range of opinions as to what may, makes sense because it, it has significant ramifications going forward for, for your business. I mean, one, one example, right, is the, um, the, the Activision King, uh, King Digital acquisition from last year where you know, Act, Activision paid, yeah. I think it was over, over $5 billion for, for, for King. And you know, King had never flipped into a U.S. parent company. You know, King listed in the U.S. as an Irish parent company, um, and that you know that created an incentive um, for for when you know when, when the acquisition came around, uh, it created an incentive for 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 Activision to to use funds that it was holding you know in outside the U.S. to to acquire um, to, to acquire King. And that had potentially made it a more attractive acquisition target. Yeah. And we know that, uh, quite a few companies, uh, us companies have this situation in place where they have a lot of assets outside of the U S and they don't want to bring them back because they want to avoid the taxation. Yeah, no, I mean, the questions those companies have, do you bring the money back to, to the U S, um, and pay the repatriates or are there ways to use that money outside of the U S and, and it may end up being more tax efficient for them, for them to, if they find appropriate ways to use it, to use the money outside outside the, the U.S. One possible way is say, is that you have a U.S. acquirer who is using non-U.S. money to directly acquire U.S. assets. You know that that ends up being very efficient tax plan. When I ask you the question about do VC want, I mean, do investors need? European companies to be based in the U.S. You said you're more often than not at a later stage they would like to. From a legal standpoint, does that mean that the company would have to flip, or are investors in the U.S. okay with having a U.S. subsidiary? Is that enough for them? Depends. Um, and 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 I, I mean, I, as, again, I can sort of tell you what some of the 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 trends are, but ultimately, yes. each investor is is different. Um, you know, there are there are 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 some some VC in, in the U.S. There's no arguing there, right? I mean, if, if that's what the fund documents say, that's what the fund documents say. So let let let's put that to one side. If if, if the investor has freedom though to 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 invest in non-U.S. companies, then some investors that we've seen, it's a little bit more common, let's say, on the East Coast than on the West Coast, um, you know, are 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 willing to to make investments, in, let's say, into U, U.K. parent companies, into Irish parent companies. A little bit less so some of the continental restrictions, let, let, let's say like a, like a Germany or, or but but again, it doesn't change the fact that um, many, many, many most and, and definitely most U.S. investors are st at an early stage are going to want to see U.S. presence, U.S. traction. Right. So you got to think of it two ways, which is do you need if the question is, do you need to be in the U.S. to raise um, you know, U.S. In, in U.S. VC investment? Uh, it, it, from a from a presence and traction standpoint, generally speaking, the answer is is, is yes. If the question is, do you need to flip into U.S. parent company? Um, Sometimes it, it depends on the specific investor. And we've we've certainly seen some investors who went into the process saying we definitely want the company to flip, but when they start to see some of the the the, the longer term tax ben 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 benefits. And by tax benefits, I mean the potential exit opportunities on, on, on sales to U.S. companies that have offshore trapped cash. That maybe starts to make a, a U.K. or an Irish parent company look a little bit more um, intriguing. Uh, I almost lost track of time because I really enjoy talking with you. You said earlier about, you know, if you try to hire a sales guy in the U.S. and the first seven you see will be the most amazing people you've ever seen in your life. 
if I flip that comment, uh, what about, uh, because maybe you've had also that kind of perspective, what about UK uh, startups trying to pitch to these US investors? Do you have anything to say to them? Should they be also, oh, we're so awesome and you know, you're going to be the next Google or do they need to also adapt culturally? Um, yeah, I think that that, that that last point that you made is, is, is spot on, is that <clears throat> you, need, you need to adapt culturally to your, to, to your, to your audience, right? Is that, um, you know, American, American in, investors, uh, sorry, American companies, when they're, when they're pitching to, to investors, are going to be very upfront about their, their, their value pro proposition. I mean, it's a little bit of a stereotype, but, you're, you know, uh, you're going to have, let, let, let's say, a U.S. founder get up and say, Listen, we are fantastic. We are killing it. You better hop on now because we are on a journey and you need to get on board, right? Um, <laughs> and, you know, if that's who you're competing against for, you know, for, for the VC money, you can't come in and say, well, you know, we're, we're quite good. You know, we're, we're, we're a, a bit, uh, you know, we're a bit rubbish, but not too bad. And, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we're going to get there eventually, right? Because because what what to the U.S. ear they will take that literally and say well this company's no 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 good I want I, I want the one who thinks that that they deserve the money right another I mean one one comment to make is that you know you're not if if, if you cannot convince the investor audience that you believe that you deserve the five million dollars they you know they're not going to give you the five million dollars right like you need to to yeah. go out there and believing first and foremost that that you know that, that you're the company relative to their other investment options that really that really deserves the money. And but I, I do want to, you know, I, 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 I do want to sort of clarify this a little bit, which is that you shouldn't go out, you know, as, as a company and, and just get up there and say, we're, 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 we're the best and start, you know, and start with a whole bunch of hyperbole that you can't back up. Right. Be, because because American investors will see through that as, as well. It's more it's, it's a little bit more nuanced that you need to you need to figure out how to succinctly and clearly highlight the strengths of your business and then back that up, right? In other words, you really, you don't want to hide the ball and make them guess why you're a great company. You want to be out there upfront saying, this is why we are a great company um, and we can back and, and back it up. So it's not just simply going out there and saying, we're, we're awesome and, uh, you know, and thinking that, that that's going to cut it. It's, you know, we're awesome. Here's why we are, we are awesome. And we invite you to come talk to us more and, and, you know, get and, and push and prod and see what you find. And we will be able to back that up. American. So Americans want to see confidence, but they also want to see le legitimacy as well. well. You just said awesome. You're also an awesome lawyer as a service. I would admit that <laughs> I could go on, but I need to cut that because I know we're reaching the end of our podcast. Maybe uh, I will ask you one more question if uh, because I'm sure that people will have uh, tons of more questions to ask you after listening to this episode. How is the best way to reach you? Yeah, so you know, I'm 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 on I'm on Link Publisher regularly, you know, or up on Second Capital website, and um, you know, and you know, if you go on and if you send Sincini, send Sincini, email, phone, smoke signals work as well. You know, it's it's pretty uh, it's straight straightforward. <laughs> well, obviously they would work because you're in the cloud, so you would be the first to see the smoke signals. Excellent, excellent. Uh, on that, Dan. <laughs> on that, Dan, thank you so much, and uh, see you next time. Thank you.